our brother Dale and the word that you've planted in his heart. Not simply, merely words, but I pray today that your message to us, the gospel, will come to us with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. Bless our brother as he brings the word today, we pray. And bless us as we receive it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Could you join me again and welcome our friend and brother, Dave. Thank you, worship team. Bless you today. I uh, just want to add my word of encouragement to Pastor Jim's remark about the conference. Um, whatever your ability is, I hope you'll get the disc or whatever's made up from the conference simply to challenge your thinking. Thank you, Pastor. Simply to uh, challenge your thinking and uh, hear what's said and then pray into it. Uh, ask the Lord how you should respond to what was said there. There was uh, some incredibly wonderful things uh, that came out of the presence of God. And you'll grow if you study it and, and read it. Study it and read it. Well, praise the Lord. I'm so glad you're here today. Are you glad you're here today? Well, hallelujah. Then let it out a little bit. It's, it's, it's good. It's good. I'm happy to tell you my, my head's kind of moving along now. You know, what my youngest son told me uh, three weeks ago, he said, Dad, I'm really excited. It's on Friday afternoon. I'm really excited about tomorrow. <clears throat> I said, what? He said, I'm going to go parachute tomorrow. I said, I'm not excited about that at all. And um, he tells me, you know, what's required and all the rest of it. And he said, Dad, would you bless me? I said, no, I'm trying to get my mind healed from fear before I can pray anything over you. Uh, and I said, I'll tell you what, here's my advice. Repent over all the sins you can remember Repent in the present tense, and then repent forward 80 years to be sure it's all covered. So there's no risk. <laughs> be up to date with God. Be up to date with God. Let's pray together. Father, all of us are on the journey somewhere. Somewhere we're on the journey with you. And it's your will to keep us moving, no matter where we started or how and how many hiccups or ups and downs we may have had up till now. It's your will to keep us moving. So take us, Lord, from where we are as individuals and move us along today. That's my prayer. Move us along to know more about you, to trust you more, serve you better. Uh, let our intimacy be deepened with you so that our faith solidly is built on nothing less than Jesus and his righteousness. Let your word go deep into us today in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, I know in your bulletin the Bible reference today is Matthew 14. Uh, I had a flip over in the middle of the night. Same story, but let's read it from Mark chapter 6. Same story, because there's a little bit of detail there that is not in the Matthew record that's uh, germane to our discussion here this morning. I want to talk to you about our faith, our faith faith in God, our faith in serving him, 
the Bible says in the negative, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, let's flip the coin around. With faith, we please God. Hmm? James is clear about it. Um, he just says, if you have faith, it'll demonstrate itself. Said simply, faith works. If faith is present, there's a manifestation of that. Elsewhere in the Bible, faith comes by hearing, and talk to me, church, and hearing by the word of God. Absolutely true, right on the face. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, now listen closely, but it grows by testing. It comes by hearing, grows by testing. And whatever God said to you, it's like Joseph of old. The promises of God to him was he would be a leader. But the Bible says, until his word came to pass, it didn't bless him, it tested him. An unfulfilled word is a pain in your spiritual pants. That sounds sort of like Mormonish, but it, it, it just it afflicts you instead of blessing you, especially when you believe whoever said it was a person of authenticity, and this or that is said over your life, and it doesn't come to pass right away. And, and how many know we that live in America want it fulfilled now, baby, right now? We, we, Lord, you said it, so come on, get down here and fill this thing. And it may be a lifetime later, it may be in someone else's lifetime of your family that he fulfills that word. And um, so it comes by hearing, but it's tested by experience and time. I'm, I'm glad the joy of the Lord rolled over you with that. Huh? I think the brother said we have to wait, Bubba. Yep, that's it. The word comes, we have to wait. And in that waiting, God does something to us. Hmm? Now here in, in, in this story, we're going we're to start with the feeding of the 5,000. But I want to encourage you with a couple of things before we get over to Mark. <clears throat> I want to encourage you with Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, where Paul said, Because of the grace God has given me, I say to you that every man ought to think more highly of himself than he ought. Why? But, 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 but think with sound judgment. Why? Because God has given everybody a measure of faith. Now on the surface, th that verse is not our topic today, but it's, it's headed there. On the surface, that remark looks like this guy's got some, his wife has more, and this brother is somewhere in between, and that guy's off the charts. It's not like that. It's not that some have a little and you have more. The best translation I can find kind of goes like this. For whatever assignment God has given you, he's given you faith to do it. You're not short of what you need to do what he said. So if he's given you an assignment in God, and if you're born again, he has, there's faith to make that happen. He's arranged us and wired us in such a way to make that happen. Isn't that encouraging? That some don't have just, well, you know, that guy's got a lot of faith, so I understand why he's making this happen. No, whatever your assignment is in God, you have the faith to make that happen. And Hebrews, you know, chapter 11 is a great faith chapter in the Bible. You should read that chapter often to stir your own faith. Faith is the substance of things we hope for, which means they're not in our life yet. They're future tense. We agreed on that, church? And it's the evidence or the proof of things we don't see. So faith 
is that piece of our Christian makeup that brings things that are in our future and in the heavenlies and in the presence of God into incarnational life and into the present tense. It's the magnet that brings heaven into our life. That's why without that, we're not going to move along very far. So we need to pray what the apostles prayed in Luke 17. Lord, increase our faith. Let it, let it grow so more of you is landing in our life. Anybody on the page? Does this make sense so far? So we hear from God, great things about himself, in which he wants us to believe, and faith draws the effect of those promises down into the present tense. Gloria and I kind of live this way these days, especially for stuff we don't have in need, in ministry or personally. Lord, thank you for X. Thank you for what you're sending. Not, oh God, we, we need, but thank you for what you're sending. Because that's a confession of faith. We believe he has it, and it's coming. Not that we're without it. We're just without it in the present moment. But faith is drawing it in our direction. So I'm praising God for a whole range of things that aren't in our life yet, physically, but they're on the way. You think about that. Start praising God for what's not here yet. That's faith. That's declarations of faith. Some of you need a job. You, you need work. That's a real deal for you. Lord, thank you for the job I don't have on Sunday, but it's coming my way Monday. I thank you for that. My phone is going to ring. I need to say that a couple more times because here's what happens. When we pray about something or have a promise not fulfilled a long time, or we pray about something that's important a long time, and it doesn't happen, the tendency is not for our faith to go up, it's for our tendency to take a dive. How many has been on that page? My faith has been like a kid's helium balloon when it's been punched with a pin. Anybody have that kind of faith? Okay? It just, well, okay. <laughs> and then we have to hear God's word again, be reminded again, that he is not a man that he should lie. He's a covenant-keeping God. If he said it, will he not perform it? And the answer all across is, yes, he will. Yeah, that's why God really hates lying. Above everything else, here's why God hates lying. It's so different than he is. It's so opposite than his character because he always tells the truth. About himself, about us, about everything. He always tells the truth. That's why he's so opposed to deceit. It's so opposite of what he's trying to do and what he wants to produce in our life. Faith. Just, just one little illustration I've given you before, but it'll help you get a fix. <clears throat> because we're, we're, we're all at some place on the growth profile as far as faith is concerned. How many feel that way? How many's ever had an experience where you come up to a challenge and, man, you knew the answer before you got there? I mean, it was just, in your heart, it was a subtle matter. How many have had that? And then came the next day when some other kind of challenge jumped up. And said, oh, man, <laughs> am I saved? God, do you like me? Do you even know my name? Boo! How many has been on that whole thing? Because that's common to human nature. Here I'm sitting right, right where Tom is this morning. This is Tom, for those of you who don't know him. Married to a lovely lady. 
And the only reason he is alive today is because she loves Jesus and doesn't own guns. So, <laughs> come on, Kath, can I get a witness? Come on, girl. <laughs> I'm going out the back just after this. But, but right where that empty seat uh, was was this dear grandmotherly lady. I've known her for years and years and years. She's 80 years old. She played, played music and a uh, wonderful woman of God, served God forever. And, uh, but she just in years and illness, her knees were swollen and her ankles. And if she got in a chair, she had to have help to get up because of arthritis. And there she was. And this is, <laughs> this is supposed to be healing meeting, right? I don't mean this meeting, the one I was in. And uh, I'm sitting, and I know her, and I know how you know she's hurting all the time, and I'm saying, Lord, it'd sure be great since it's a healing meeting if somebody got healed. You know, it'd be nice. And uh, and 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 I need the gift of faith, and I'm telling this to the Lord. I need to, and I heard him whisper back, and and I said, Lord, just just increase my faith. And I heard the Lord whisper, No. No. What do you mean, no? I mean, you know, Granny's sick. Half the people in the place are sick. I'm going to be sick if somebody doesn't get healed. What? Lord, increase my... Try it again. Lord, Lord increase my... So maybe some angelic thing in the universe blocking my prayer. Lord, increase my faith. No. Do you have something you want to say to me about No. And here's what the Lord just caused me to understand. And uh, I, I think I heard him say to me, because it, it changed everything in that moment for me. He said, you don't need more faith. You need to exercise the faith you have. You have residual faith that has not been exercised. Okay, Lord, what in the world does that mean? Since in about three minutes, I've got to get up and do something. And I hope somebody gets healed. You need to exercise your faith. Okay, when, where, how, please give it up. Just put your arm around Granny and say the word Jesus over her. That's it. That's it. I said, okay. I said, well, Grandma, I, I just need to love on you a little bit and pray for you. Okay, honey. You know, poor little thing, hurting. I just put my arm around her, and I said, Jesus. She went, mmm. Try this again. Jesus. And with that, it was like somebody strapped a rocket to her backside. She jumped out of that seat, and before, I mean, she needed help getting in it and out of it, right? Help getting up the stairs. Around the place, she went twice. <laughs> Granny's running. Now, not only could she not run, she couldn't get out of that chair. I said, Lord, I'll tell you what I know. I didn't have anything to do with that. That was for her and Dale, if I can sound self-serving. That incident wasn't just for Granny. That was for, it was that simple, just believing in the power of his name and hooking our faith together, Granny was touched mightily. And of course, that set a whole different atmosphere for whatever. So that day, I was the laziest <laughs> evangelist you've ever seen. I had Granny praying for folks because she had just been healed and her faith was, I was still wondering how to get that stirred up again. Well, come on, don't look at me like that. A, a few people I prayed for fell over dead, not under the power. So you want to stop praying when that starts. When they're dying, just quit. 
So I'm sitting there thinking, how do, how do you get this working every time, you know? If the next one comes and I say, Jesus, are they going to run or get healed or are they going to die? Or Faith brings heaven into the present moment. Now, Mark chapter 6, let's go. Uh, here, early on in the chapter, the good friend of Jesus is decapitated. So Jesus is teaching thousands of people and has not yet had time to grieve. It's not today's lesson, but it is a lesson. Keep doing good when you're feeling bad. Jesus is in grief. His friend had been beheaded. But he's, thousands of people are still around him that need to be taught, so he teaches all day long with the grief in his heart. Huge lesson in there. It's not today's lesson, but it is a powerful lesson. Teaches all day long, and at the end of the day, the disciples came to him, and they said, Jesus, these people are tired, and, and, and all the rest have been here all day, and they're hungry, so give them something to eat. The disciples are saying that to Jesus. And Jesus came right back on their comments, and he said, you give them something to eat. A uh, little pause here. Somewhere in your Christian experience, the Lord will require you to do what you humanly cannot do, apart from some kind of supernatural thing happening in your life. He will ask you to do that, knowing you can't. Why? Because he wants us to depend on him. Jesus said, so you give them something to eat. Well, we only have 200 denarii. You know, it's the afternoon. The bakeries are all, the bread's baked in the morning here. And uh, there's, a, there's thousands of people. There won't be enough if we find a little. And all the excuses why something shouldn't happen, except Jesus said, feed them. Well, what do we have? We have a kid with a lunch. You'd be amazed how much more we'll receive from God if we won't despise the messengers he sends to deliver it. Your miracle may be in the hands of a child. Who doesn't have a clue about the miraculous or the need for supply or anything else? They're just a carrier of the anointing. They're just a carrier of the presence of God. Well, listen, I'm getting over beauty contest. I don't give a rip who has it. Just bring it. If you're hungry and it comes on the back of a dog, okay, just bring it. I want it. If we, if we need it, let's get over what the delivery system looks like. Don't kill the prophets. They have something to say that may bring a life to it. That'll, that'll do. So Jesus got the, the, the bread and the fish. And interestingly enough, in none of the gospel stories of this matter, is there any record that Jesus prayed for that bread to be expanded? He didn't pray that. The Bible says he looked up to heaven and he blessed it. If you get blessing on your life, you'll get fullness on your life. That's part of the whole blessing package. He looked up to heaven and he blessed it. Now, I don't know what you see in stories like this, but let me just bring you into this one just a little bit, and we're going to cruise through quickly because this is going somewhere. If you have 5,000 men plus women and kids, and you have them down, what was the groups? 50? Is that what they said? 50 or 100? They set them down in groups everywhere. How many think if you've got 5,000 people, you can't feed them in 15 minutes? That takes a while, quite a while, maybe a short number of hours just physically to 
get the bread out there and get it in their hands and so on. How many think that would be reasonable? This, this takes quite a while. We went to a big park around St. Paul here, and, and, and we had 5,000 people and sent them down, plus women and children, just men. It would take logistically, even with, with wagons or delivery carts or whatever, it would take a while to physically get bread in everybody's hands. But I don't know about you, but here's how my head works. Jesus blesses this bread, and it just starts going. I would want my face this close to the hands of Jesus. I want to see how is this going on here. Because every time, wasn't one miracle, 5,000 miracles. And then a few more because of the baskets full. Well, Brother Dale, what are the 12 baskets? I don't have a clue. Just a lot of stuff. That's what it is. Now you say, well, is that for the 12 disciples, 12 tribes? I don't have a clue. Make it whatever, probably for everybody. If that's what you want, that's good. So the point is, there's a lot left over. So Jesus just keeps at this. Now how many know if you're one of the disciples helping him, somehow you had to be impressed because this is not praying for a person that had a headache. Headaches are usually unseen. And they say, I feel better. This is physically watching bread multiply in the hands of a guy. It just keeps going. Now, we have to eat white bread to grow larger, but there it was just. And they're running with baskets, and it's going out, and it's, it's hours and hours of watching this miracle and the 12 baskets at the end. We agree that's what happened? Okay. So the hands of Jesus are doing this, and it's, his only remark was he blessed that bread. He didn't pray that it would grow. He just blessed it, and this comes. Now the day ends for the teaching. It's getting night, and here is where we want to go today, just briefly. The Bible says Jesus went up to the mountain alone to pray, and the disciples went down to the sea and got in a boat and started across. Where they were crossing was about seven miles. In the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning, the fourth watch, the wind comes up, and a huge storm starts going. And they start crying for mercy. They want mercy. They thought they were going to drown. And they look through the storm, and they see a figure walking through the water. Now, how many know that probably gets your attention? What do you think? You're ready to drown. Storm's blowing the boat around, full of water. And you look up, and you see somebody coming for a walk. I know Minnesotans are cruel, man. You know, you live here, you've seen it all, baby. We're not worried about some ghost flitting through the neighborhood. Just take your rifle out and shoot the sucker. That's it. We're not worried about it. <clears throat> They're screaming, God save us. We're about to drown. And poor Jesus. Sometimes I really feel sorry for him dealing with those guys until I remember I'm probably just like them. Okay? Just like them. He said, Quit hollering and panicking. It's me. They had lived with the guy already for months and months and months. And now when he shows up on the water, they don't recognize. It's me. And the Bible says he stepped into the boat, quieted the wind, and they were astonished. Verse 51. But 52 is the one that really caught me. The Bible says that the inc from the incident of the bread, there was no effect on them because their hearts were hard. Try that out. Hours of the miraculous. Hours of it. Thousands of people eating bread and heaps left over 
and it didn't touch him at all. Now, if you forget everything else today, get this. When faith, when the challenges to our faith moves to something else, from whatever we were praying about on the left hand, it's going to the right, faith, in one sense, has to be reborn. Walk with me back to the bread moment. In the bread moment, what was the demand on their faith? It was for provision. Are we in agreement, church? They needed food. Let's move over here. In the water, they needed protection. The bread thing didn't impact them at all as, as a theological bridge. So, well, if we believe God for that, and it was magnificent and abundant. You would have thought there would have been a bleed over, a carryover, that something about God probably will work over here. They didn't get it. Nothing, there was no effect of all of that on the followers of Jesus. It had no effect at all. What had to happen? Faith had to be reborn. And other records of this said, and suddenly they were at the other side. So there was a miraculous intervention about transportation. Just suddenly they were on the other side of the lake. From the storm to calm to, in a moment, over there. That's pretty good. That by itself was a miracle. So all night to get three and a half miles and two seconds to get the other three and a half miles. They found themselves on the other shore. Now, wouldn't you have thought somewhere along the line there would be a wake-up call in the brain of a disciple? Especially when they could talk to Jesus and question him about every, anything. He was living with them. They were traveling together. Wouldn't you have thought there would have been a wake-up call somewhere? So I'm bringing you this word for this reason. There's a call on this God, uh, on this house now because you've gone through several years of transition and you're not quite finished with that yet, but there's a call on this house now to come up to yet another level of ministry. Magnificent things are happening. I'm not here swinging an axe, all kinds of stuff is wrong. Lots of stuff are right in God. But we may have had faith for X and yesterday, and it has to be reborn to get to tomorrow. Same faith just focused in a different place, and we have to be sure it got over here, wherever this piece of our journey is. Anybody following? Did you get that piece? It's really simple. It has to shift with the moment we're in, because faith is, for one thing, it's not static. If it worked over here, it is still alive and dynamic over here. It will work here when the floods are coming in the same way it worked when the bread was needed. We just need to be sure in our spirit, in our mind, we've made the shift, and we're not clinging to the remnants of historical interventions of God. But they are a platform added to the house of faith God's trying to build into us. You know what? Stir up your mind by way of remembrance. If you've served God in here a few years, you've got a story, and part of it goes like this. When our babies were sick and we didn't have any money for a doctor and the pharmacy, we prayed through the night, and in the morning, God showed his strong hand and our babies were well because of the power of God. When we got to a place in our budget where we didn't have enough work and, and, and we had 20 days money for 30 days month, but we thanked God for what we didn't have and what was coming and an envelope came and paid the rest of the month. We've got some history with God. When we were confused and didn't know where to look and what to do, we kept praising God and in that moment somehow he showed up and gave us understanding, and so we're here today. And we're still praising God. 
because the common thread in all of our testimony is this. We've trusted in God, and he has not failed us. Not one time in anything. We failed him, probably, flipping and flopping around in our Christian life. But he has not failed us. He's been the rudder on our boat to get us where we need to go. Oh, glory to his name. Aren't you glad about it? He can be trusted. He can be trusted. Part of our confession needs to be, Lord, even if I don't see clearly what you want next in my life, and often we don't. He, he puts those things in a mist deliberately so we don't get proud, we don't aggrandize, we don't go too fast. Most times God's will is revealed incrementally, line by line, precept by precept, so we can step into it and grow and then grow in humility with this advancement and then take another step. And, so, and isn't it good God's like that? That he says, oh God, give me everything you got. One big hit. Boom, we're out of here. Glory is what he's got. And we have so many pies to eat, we're not going to bury you for a week. So we're going to eat pie first, and then we'll say goodbye. But glory is what he's got for all of us. So I'm glad he doesn't answer that prayer. All the carpenters have been busy building boxes because the saints got what they, not what they deserve, what they wanted. He answered their prayer. John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cain of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus was invited to the wedding and the disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus answered and said to her, woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour has not yet come. Mary is a wonderful Jewish mother. She didn't listen to her kid. She said, whatever he says to you, do it. I wonder how she was with chicken soup. Whatever he says to you, do it. And there was for the rite of purification, the Jewish rite of purification, six or eight water pots of 20 to 30 gallons each. 120 to 180 gallons. That's a lot of water. Hmm? Isn't it? Quite a bit of water. And Jesus said, because the pots were empty, fill them up with water. They did that. Now take some of that to the head waiter. It happened. Somewhere in this process, water becomes wine. For those of you that wouldn't be caught dead in the liquor store, but you always wanted to taste it, how did this happen? Listen, the materials for a miracle are in your life right now. And the John record is this, if it's anything, of this miracle. Jesus takes the common and touches it. And when he touches it, it becomes uncommon and supernaturally useful. So the stuff to have miracles is in your life right now. Nothing has to happen externally to have a miracle. It's already in your life. What might he use that's in your life right now to work a miracle? I met this man only one time, and he told me this story. Actually, his daughter told me this story, and then he confirmed it over coffee. Uh, about 40 years ago, uh, uh, he felt led to go down to Florida. He lives in the upper Midwest, so I, I understand even if God didn't speak, you'd want to in January. So he went down to Florida, and he felt directed of the Lord to buy a piece of land. So he, he got to this location. Half of it was underwater because it was next to a river. And uh, 
So he inquired about the ownership, and they said, you want to buy that? It floods every spring, and half of it's underwater. Well, I just feel like I, I, should, I should buy this. So human terms that look ridiculous. How many know to make an investment? You don't buy a swamp unless you know there's oil in there. You don't buy swampland, right? You're going to produce mosquitoes or something for fishing? What do you? So he bought it for $3,000 and wondered, driving home, what have I done? I just bought a swamp. Well, but he felt because this idea came to him in prayer that he should buy this piece of land. He bought it. Years goes by, and he's paying taxes on the swamp. Every spring floods, has to pay to have mosquito abatement thing going, all the rest. But about 25, 27 years into paying taxes, he got a notice from the highway department that they're going to put a boulevarded road down the front of this. What was a two-lane track is now going to be a four-lane with a boulevard. And by the way, they're fixing all the bridges, and for the half a mile above it and below it, they're putting in a concrete channel to stop the flooding. And so suddenly, all of his land is dry ground, and they're excavating and filling his swamp till it's level. And they said to him, you know, there really should be a crossroad off-ramp there by your property. So we're going to put that in, too, because it's too long between exits. So people just come over the bridge, and in a few hundred yards, just turn right there. And that would be the edge of your property. Is that okay? Let me pray on it. Amen. That's okay. So, brothers and sisters, what this man, under the direction of the Lord, paid $3,000 for, he sold 27 years later for $3 million and was happy to pay the capital gains on that. How many things are like that, even if the numbers are different, that God whispers, but, but our scientific analytical mind say, that doesn't compute. Well, it doesn't compute rationally, but God is supra-rational. He stands above the way our head processes stuff, and faith doesn't have to understand everything. It has to just walk it out. I've done some things in life and ministry I didn't understand till years later. We just did it because in our heart we knew God wanted that and sometimes took a lot of criticism because <laughs> it looked irrational and in some cases it looked crazy. Except God was the one who whispered that in our heart. It was so weird I knew it wasn't me because I promise you I am not normal. And when it's out of my range of normality, way out there, I know it's God. I know it's God. Do you see it? Common becomes uncommon. Mark chapter 9. I'll finish this up pretty quick here. Mark chapter 9, in the middle of the chapter here, this, this situation's going on with the father that has the boy with epilepsy. Remember that story? He's cast into the fire and all these problems. These convulsions take a hold of him. Verse 20. And so Jesus is coming by, and the disciples are wondering why they can't bring a remedy to this. So Jesus is teaching them as well. And then the father cries out in his desperation, Jesus, if you can, have pity on us and help us. And the answer to Jesus was this. If you can, now, now Jesus is not rebuking the guy, so don't stop, don't stop there because it makes Jesus sound pretty hard-edged. No, here's, here's what Jesus said. If you can, 
All things are possible to him who believes. So Jesus is calling for him to exercise the faith he had. Jesus didn't have to give him any more. He's appealing to the faith the Father has. So he says to him, well, let me put some more words in just for explanation. Jesus could have said, I can do this. I'm able. But if you release what you've got, you'll pull the trigger to make this happen. It's your faith that will ignite this whole thing and bring it to pass. So, father of this epileptic boy, I appeal to you to turn your faith loose and believe I'm able. If you'll believe that, you'll see the mighty hand of God. That was a good answer from Jesus, wasn't it? Because Jesus not only is about to heal the boy, he's trying to elevate the father's faith and not just going around the father directly and handling it. How many know he's able? He could have just said, stand back, pops, watch this, and done the job. He did. Dad, you're involved with this. And here's how the father answered. Two ways. Lord, I believe, and then followed by this. Help my unbelief. Is that a contradiction? No, it's not. He is saying what everyone in this room starting here could say. On some things, we've got it down. We don't have to process our knower knows. X, Y, and Z is right about God. We're not going to be dissuaded from those matters. We know he's the true God. We know he's a covenant keeper. We know he breaks the power of sin. We know he's present always. There's a whole range of things that we've got down. Not at me if you've got at least some of it in hand. We don't have to recycle that every day to, well, I hope this is right. We know it's right because the validation's in our life. But there's other categories of things over here that that piece of faith hasn't bled over here yet. It just, so the father say, Jesus, there's all kinds of things I've got to cover. Know your God, know your mighty, know Jehovah, believe the Torah, whole bunch of things. But when it comes to my sick son, I need some help. I need some help here because this is so personal, so deep. We've had so many failures, so many trials. This piece is okay. You don't need to help me there, but when it comes to the face of my child, I can't unpack enough faith to get him delivered. So I need some help. And Jesus didn't rebuke the dad. He just said, well, watch this. Because that faith teamed with this fumbling, broken, stuttering, spitting, fuming peace, I don't have it, but I want it, was enough to make all of this happen. Have faith in God. He will challenge you in this season up to a higher place. And our historical faith will keep us moored and keep us stable. But sometimes we'll come over one of the horizons of life and we'll have to say, Lord, I've walked with you a lot of years, but I have to confess, I, I can't manage this without some help. And he will not turn us away. I'll finish with a story I told the leadership event, the, the box seminar this, but it, it was true and is true. Maybe five years ago, this church was helped on a couple of occasions uh, by those iPod Bible schools and so on. It's, it's wonderful. 148 of them working all across the Islamic world today. Six or seven days a week. It's wonderful. Thank you again for your investment in that.
But when God began to speak to me, here's what I hear from the Lord. I, I want you to train 10,000 new house church leaders in the Islamic State. Try that on. How'd you like that word to fall on you some morning when you're reading some nice psalm? I will ascend the hill of the Lord. I will pay my vows. I want you to train 10,000 house church in Islamic State. I want to tell you, I didn't want to hear that word. I said, now, Lord, uh, heaven must be pretty busy because you got the wrong guy. Furthermore, I don't even like those people. I don't like to travel in that part of the world. Don't give me Sahara. Don't give me West Africa. You know, give me south of France. Give me, you know. I mean, come on, God. You're my friend. Come on. You know, friends don't do this kind of thing to you. Don't like it. Don't like Muslims. Might get killed. I don't want my wife getting another husband on my insurance money. So I'm, I'm, I'm telling God all the stuff he doesn't know about me, right? <laughs> Mainly that I didn't like those. Well, I'm telling you the truth. I just didn't like them. Well, come on, fess up. Some of you have at least one kind of person you don't like. Look at your neighbor and say, the man is telling the truth. <laughs> Be a room full of freedom come up here really quick. And 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 I... Listen, I'm busy enough. I didn't want more stuff to do and long airplane trips and all around. Lord, I don't like those people. I know I'm not called there. Sure know it. But when God's talking, he doesn't quit. He just, you don't sleep well. And uh, when it gets down to the range where you're aware that you're just being rebellious, and rebellion comes in all kinds of levels in church. I've told you this before, but there's a lot of new ones here. I want to remind you of this. If Pastor Jim asks you to do something, do not say, I'll pray about it. He didn't ask you to pray. That's rebelliousness shrouded in, in God language. Well, I'll pray about it. If we prayed about as much stuff we told our pastor, the whole world would be saved and we'd be in heaven. We're not going to pray. We just don't want to do it. Why don't you just be honest and say, you know what? I, I'm just rebellious. And I do not want to do what you asked me to do. You'd feel so much better you have, you, because first you're rebellious. Now you take the lion. I'll pray about it. You won't pray about it. You don't want to do it. Pastor Jim, would you teach 12-year-old boys? Oh, Pastor Jim, I'll pray about it. You, won't pray. you hate 12-year-old kids. <laughs> you don't even like your own kids. You're not going to help somebody else's. So God and I are having that little talk, but my sleep... You know, my peace left. And here was my deal. I'm going to sympathize with myself and your hearing today. My deal was this. I'm busy enough. We're trying to do something for Jesus, a lot of places. I don't really understand that culture. Didn't want to add this. And I didn't know how. Well, if I had been spiritually wise and not acting like a, a wimp, I would have said to the Lord, if you'll show me, I'll do it. Because how many of you know he's waiting for that question? Instead of no. <laughs> And in a few months, because this whole curriculum thing was created in our church, and we, we paid for it on the 600000 originally to get it all up, the core of it together. So, and it's grown much beyond that uh, since. 
the director that actually looks after the curriculum, we're having an hour's discussion because we partner in a number of parts of the world in training. We're talking about that for, for an hour, and at the end of that conversation, he said, uh, and one more thing. And that one more thing is that iPod I've got right in that Bible case there in front of Pastor Jim. We found out how to put this whole program on an iPod. Aha. Now I know how. I don't know all the players in all these countries yet, but I know how we can get it done. And today, that's times 148, 24 nations. God be praised. So I'm just saying I understand how this father feels. It's not a sick child, but it was about mission. My faith wasn't there yet. Wasn't there yet. So our first response often, I don't think I'm alone, is to say no for what we don't understand and what we can't see. And that first increase of faith is to raise us up where we do see, and we'll say yes. Lord, help my unbelief. I had it. I had it. I had to pray through all of that, and now it's just an amazing thing, and I have almost nothing to do with it. It just goes on, and now my joy is hearing reports every month about what the Lord, but at the first, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I don't have any appetite. I, I just don't know. Where are the tools? They weren't even in existence when all of this started. But God knew some techie guys were going to figure this out a few months down. He just wanted to get me in line to get it done. Now it's on. Glory to God. What has he in store in your future? That's for sure he doesn't want you to miss the lack of faith or stumbling, fumbling, bumbling faith. Guess what? He likes that kind of faith because it's still faith. Even if it's fits and starts and hiccups, it's still faith to him because you're essentially believing he can. He can. He's able. What else is lying in your future, in your destiny, that's yet unfulfilled simply because, just like my little story, you don't know how this is going to work, you don't see it clear, and the way our heads work, our comfort zone is to figure it out beforehand. And God's idea is, you trust me with the beforehand, and I'll get you there. So I want to pray today and just have a corporate prayer. Let's everybody stand. And I want to do this really quick because I've used up all, all but two minutes. I want to do this really quick. If you have prayed about a matter for a long time and it's unfulfilled today, come down here with me really quick. Just move quick. Leave your stuff where it's at. We're going to finish here in about two minutes. You've prayed a long time, felt called a long time, had a promise of God a long time, and it's unfulfilled. Just come down here with me. And we're going to pray together and covenant for one another. And here's how we're going to pray. We're going to pray, Lord, increase our faith. Refresh our faith. Let our faith on that issue be reborn. Because if you didn't have faith, you wouldn't even be in this building today. You've got a piece of it. But on that issue, everybody clear on how we're going to pray here? On that issue, Lord, let my faith rise up for that again, for that again. Okay? Has this helped anybody today? It's been kind of meat and potatoes stuff, but it'll keep us moving. All right? Just take someone's hand here, and you in the back, stretch your hand this way, please, and let's pray together. Father, I pray over my brothers and sisters today this way. There are standing here and standing in this room pages of promises to the people of God and challenges from heaven in the, in the, that have come into the hearts and ears of the people of God that in this moment are unfulfilled. Since we know you don't lie and you always tell the truth, and we know those words came from you. We know that we have a future 
and some things in that future that are not here yet. Lord, on those issues that are unfulfilled in this moment, let our faith be reborn. We pray that whatever incremental increase we need, it'll begin to settle into us as we read your word and pray in the Holy Ghost. Some, Lord, have prayed for family members for years. Some have prayed for circumstances to be changed. Some have prayed for bondages to be broken. Some have, have, have set on ministries for year, years, not knowing just how or where or when. So together we pray for one another right now and pray for the person on the right and left. Pray for their need. Lord, let our faith be reborn. Let it reborn, be reborn on those things that are yet unfulfilled today in the hearts and lives of my brothers and sisters. So that over the next few weeks, there can be ringing testimonies in this house. God has intervened in my life. I have trusted in God, and he has shown his strong right hand. I thank you for that now in Jesus' name. Now, everybody in the house front to back, raise your hand and give God a big praise for what's coming. Thank you for what's coming. Praise God. Come on, Lord, we praise you. Come on, make some shout. We thank you for what's coming. Shout to the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. All right. For my friends. That Jesus, as you have spoken to us today, not with merely words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction, that you would raise us up individually and corporately into that next level that you have for us in this season to meet the challenges that are before us in this time. Lord, I want to pray right now that you would touch each and every one, God, in the place. You see them right where they are. You see us right where we are. Come and meet us right where we are and take us by the hand across the lake, <laughs> across the sea, into the next season of life and ministry for your glory. And now with open hands, may you be filled again this day afresh with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of His favor and goodness over your life. And until we gather again either in this house or our eternal home, I pray that his goodness and mercy will chase you down every single day of your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.